Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge Podcast. I'm Jay Shabbat, your host, and we'll be talking today with Peden Doma Butia. She's Skiff's editor for Asia. And we'll be talking today about two very interesting and upcoming markets. One is Saudi Arabia, where the government has incredibly ambitious aviation and tourism ambitions. The other market we'll be discussing is India. That's where Peden is based. And if you have any questions after listening, please feel free to email me. I'm at js at skiff.com. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. My name is Jay Shabbat. Ned Russell is out this week, but we have a special guest today. It's Peden Doma Butia, who is Skiff's editor for Asia. And she's going to be joining me today to discuss a, a very interesting uh, development in the airline industry, which is the all the events going on in Saudi Arabia with their new airline and whatnot. Peden, how are you doing today? Thank you so much, Jay, for having me. And it's a pleasure to be talking to you and uh, to the people at Airline Weekly. Uh, it's great, yes, and uh, you know there is some great news coming. I'm based in India, so there's some there's some great news coming in from India as well. So I'm very happy to join you for uh, in this chat. Well, thanks so much, Peter, for joining uh, for joining me today. So let's begin by talking about Saudi Arabia, and then we'll we'll <laughs> migrate over to India, uh, sure. where you're based. Now, the big news in Saudi Arabia is that they're starting this new airline. That's the big news in the in the airline uh space anyway um mm -hmm. but maybe you can tell us a little bit i know you've been covering the tourism sector in saudi arabia and some of the things that they want to do there uh visa relaxation and whatnot maybe you can just speak a few minutes about that about some of the government's ambitions sure um thank you so much Jay. um so as saudi arabia is you know looking to move away from its economic reliance on oil um you know, one of the major elements uh, while it is in this repositioning strategy is to attract more tourists to the nation, which it has seen. You know, it's seen UAE do that. It's seen Qatar do that. And of course, Oman to a small extent as well. And uh, to do that, uh, of course, first of all, Saudi Arabia was not open to tourists till 2019. The country started issuing tourist visas, you know, as late as September 2019. And um, I must say that it's managed to up its visa game because from January 31st onwards, you know, Saudi Arabia now uh, gives free of charge a four-day stopover transit visa for air travelers. You have to, the only requirement is that you'll have to arrive by air. And of course, the country has indeed come a long way. And, uh, you know, this uh, relaxing of visa rules, the softening of restrictions, and of course, uh, to a great extent, enhancing women's rights, you know, has, uh, you know, all of that along with the fact that it is now increasing access via air and providing, uh, you know, more options for visitors. Because, of course, it's also creating these giga destinations like Neom, Alula, Amala and the Red Sea Project. So... Uh, in fact, to connect these destinations as well, Saudi Arabia has had also announced that it would be offering financial incentives to, uh, you know, to any carrier that flies routes that have so far, you know, that they have so far considered unprofitable. 
So that way it's trying to help link these giga destinations to other global cities as well. And then, of course, there's the you know ambitious, really ambitious target to attack 100 million tourists per year by 2030. I saw that number. Wow, <laughs> 100 million. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a really ambitious number, but uh, you know, so and uh, you know, you need to give them credit where it's due. They are they understand that to increase for that kind of a number, you need to increase capacity, and you need to you need to improve connectivity. So, um, uh, you know, Riyadh Air is, you know, with Riyadh Air, I think what they've tried to do is that they've also tried to adopt a two hub uh, strategy because it has its old airline, that's Saudia, the uh, earlier carrier. Saudi has been there for almost uh, 70 plus years now. So Saudia will be functioning from Jeddah and Riyadh Air uh, is functioning from Riyadh. And then, of course, Saudi also has the smaller airlines like, you know, it has Fly Nas as well. <clears throat> so uh, I think I think Riyadh Air is, is uh, you know, the announcement of Riyadh Air is something that everyone has been looking forward to. And it's significant that, you know, the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, the public investment fund is uh, is the one that's launching this uh, you know, airline. And then, of course, we've seen, of course, the huge uh, order as well that's come to Boeing from uh, Riyadh Air. Yeah. And we should also add that uh, I believe in Riyadh, they're building a giant new airport as well. Correct. Which, uh, yes, of course, yeah. of course, of course. And to, of course, because, uh, you know, Riyadh, so far Jeddah was the bigger airports, uh, you know. So, of course, to, uh, <clears throat> you know, if they are ordering for 39 Boeing 7879 Dreamliners and, of course, 33 additional wide body aircraft you know they need, they would be needing a bigger um, airport for sure yeah interesting and then the other aspect besides uh what the uh what the government is doing with Riyadh Air uh Saudia is um they're not neglecting that by any means because they correct absolutely yeah, absolutely the, Saudia also has uh, its uh, you know after after they announced about uh, Riyadh Air I think Saudia has also placed an order with Boeing uh, I think it's about 397879s uh, right uh, mm-hmm. yep. and 10 more uh, op- options as well so of course, yeah, I mean, like they're trying to, they're making sure that you know while they are, uh, you know, while they are launching a new airline, Saudi also gets its due because of course it needs connectivity to uh, Jeddah, which is an important hub for them as well, and of course uh, Saudi also has a subsidiary flyer deal, so yep. that airline is also there. A low cost airline, yep, that's the low cost. And what's interesting is so the because uh, you know when some countries. Uh, launch a new airline, the goal is to make that airline successful. Uh, Mm -hmm. In this case, that's almost an ancillary goal or an auxiliary goal. The main goal here, I think, as you mentioned, Peden, is is the tourism development. So Saudi, in addition to investing so much much money into the new airline, as well as the incumbent air, excuse me, incumbent airline, they're also opening up the market to foreign airlines. And Sort of the most prominent example of that is Wizz Air in Europe, which is a low-cost carrier that was, you know, until now really confined to Europe, and they're now flying very actively to the Middle East, and uh, Saudi, Saudi Arabia welcomed them in, and this that's that's a very different position, 
for example, than not too far away in India, where the government there has a different policy, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Pete? Yes, yes, correct. Uh, I mean, uh, the fact is that Saudi has a very ambitious plan uh, and everyone has been remarking on that. But it knows that, you know, it can't it can't get those 100 million tourists a year by 2030 if it just restricts uh, connectivity to just its homegrown carriers. And of course, it has four carriers right now. And you rightly pointed out about Wizz Air Abu Dhabi. There is also error. Air Arabia Abu Dhabi, which is a low cost option as well. And they too have been, you know, flying in uh, very aggressively and adding more flights to Saudi Arabia. So um, I and uh, compare that to India, of course, uh, you know, in India, what is happening is that, uh, of course, we've been talking about the fact that it's one of the world's fastest growing aviation markets. But, you know, uh, there is an there is an aviation event uh, that was on till yesterday. Uh, it was on for two days. And there, you know, uh, during that event, there was a debate over market access because uh, the foreign carriers uh, that fly into India, uh, <coughs> case in point would be Emirates, you know, Turkish Airlines. And these are the Gulf carriers, Kuwaiti carrier, Jazeera Airways. They've all called for, you know, uh, an increase in air traffic rights to and from India because they, they see a huge demand coming in from India. We've earlier talked about the fact that how uh, India is set to be the new China as far as outbound travel is concerned. Indians are traveling and, of course, the uh, whole population, 1.3 billion population needs uh, is, is wanting to travel. But for that, they need capacity. And Dubai had requested about 50, an extra 50,000 seats a week uh, from the current 65,000 seats a week uh, that it uh, currently has. And uh, Jazeera Airways uh, had said that they want the current weekly allowance uh, to be increased to 28,000. Uh, currently, it's around 12,000. And, and they feel that this is not adequate. Even Turkish Airlines CEO has talked about the fact that, you know, capacity coming in from India is not adequate. So everybody has been talking about the fact that India needs to increase capacity. But um, speaking to Reuters, uh, the Indian Civil Aviation Minister uh, Jyotiraditya Sindhya yesterday said that the country does not plan to increase air traffic rights. For He spoke specifically for the United Arab Emirates. And he instead urged that domestic carriers should fly long haul and help establish new hubs. Uh, Cynthia pointed out the fact that, you know, right now a lot of the Indian long haul uh, service is being uh, is being carried on by Gulf carriers. But he said, Cynthia pointed out that, you know, people would like direct connectivity rather than go to a hub and then a layover. So his idea was that, you know, we need our own uh, homegrown carriers to service that increasing demand coming from the India market, which I, I am not too sure how uh, the whether the Indian carriers will be able to fulfill what he's talked about, because right now, if uh, with, uh, you know, Vistara merging in with uh, Air India, uh, India will have just one full service carrier. That's Air India, yeah. and then the the rest are all low cost. 
Right. And you can see how this is just a very different approach from Saudi Arabia, where Saudi Arabia is just kind of opening wide. Now, whereas India, now India, to be clear, is, is don't think of them as a protectionist uh, aviation market, uh, period, because it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I mean, India was very early in signing an open skies agreement, being essentially a free trade agreement in aviation with the United States. They've also opened their markets up uh, in other places in the world. What they're really concerned about, as you kind of alluded to, Pete, is that Middle Eastern market. They want to protect Air India, you know, whereas Saudi Arabia is not really so interested in protecting Saudi or Riyadh Air. They're more interested in just developing the economy, bringing in tourism. In India, there is a real concerted effort to make something out of Air India. You know, it's been so troubled for so long. They uh, and and you can imagine. I mean, we don't know the behind the scenes, but you can imagine when the government sold Air India to the to Tata Group, there may have been some promises made. You know, we'll uh, we'll sell this to you. Yeah, we'll buy Correct. it. We'll, and we'll also, also, uh, Jay, one more important one, uh, you know, critical thing that differentiates the two markets is that Saudi Arabia wants traffic to the country, whereas the traffic uh, in India is coming from India. So it's about, yeah. you know, Saudi, Saudi Arabia is more about increasing inbound traffic, whereas in India, it's more about outbound traffic. Now, what is um, this is a, a good question for you, Peter, because I know you, uh, I'm sure, follow this closely. What is India's attitude or policy or approach towards inbound tourism? Are they now obviously... They're not <laughs> as aggressive as Saudi Arabia. But, no, uh, I, I guess India yeah. India is right now. You know, I think we've mentioned it last year when I I did a I did a piece on how India still does not have a tourism policy in place, and the one that's there has been there for a really long time. So um, India is promoting itself, is talking about tourism, but. Um, Right now, if we talk about inbound tourism, inbound is not, I mean, inbound is a priority for the Indian government. That's what they say. But we don't see that in action because we don't see any policies in place in which they, you know, for the longest time, there was a visa thing, whereas UK, which is the largest market for India, had not been, uh, you know, granted visa uh, the e-visa policy. So this was post-COVID. So uh, Indian, the Indian government's policies do not seem to inbound friendly. And that's also maybe because India has a huge domestic market. So rather than uh, cater to foreigners, they feel that it's better if they've realized that, uh, you know, the domestic market is big enough for them to make, uh, to uh, promote, the hotels, because that's what we saw during uh, COVID as well, when there was no, you know, inbound traffic coming in. The hotels, uh, Taj hotels, uh, had its best quarter ever last year, and that was all done, be all possible because of the domestic market. Right now, also, if you look at the India air passenger traffic, has uh, you know, uh, rose by about forty-seven percent to about 123 million in 2022. 
which is just about 15% lower to 2019. And, you know, the domestic passenger numbers uh, have gone up from about 60 million in um, in 2013 to uh, 141 million right now in uh, sorry 141 million in 2019 before yeah. before the pandemic hit so mm-hmm. india has a huge uh, uh, you know domestic market so i i i cannot say that india has a very robust inbound tourism policy because i don't see that i don't see that even though there is a ministry of tourism and and they do participate at all these itp berlins and wtm london but i don't see i don't see any you know concrete policy in place yeah and off the top of my head it, there, it almost seems like there's some parallels between india's approach and china's approach maybe you know going back 20 years where you know china also uh didn't i wouldn't say they heavily prioritized inbound tourism but they took their airlines they merged them uh there there was a couple several three or four big mergers in china they encouraged Mm -hmm. them to go abroad they were rather protectionist with some individual markets including the united states which you know that remains a relatively tight market in terms of bilateral frequencies available so yeah maybe maybe some parallels there and uh you know I think India would be very happy if uh, the airline growth would evolve in the same way that it has in, in China. I mean, up until the COVID, anyway. Uh, yes, I, was- I guess that is why that is why India is investing a lot uh, in airport infrastructure. Yeah, because you know, yeah, the number of airports uh, with uh, you know civilian flights in India has grown from about seventy four in twenty fourteen. And right now it's 148 this year. So that's absolutely, uh, you know, a hundred percent hike. And, you know, the government has also been formulating these greenfield policies for construction of greenfield airports. So these are the greenfield airports are to connect, you know, the lesser uh, known destinations to uh, more prominent, uh, you know, airport hubs. Right, right. I know they're they're building a new airport in Delhi as well. I know Zurich Airport is involved in that heavily, and I, I'm, yes, I'm, it I is it is it is a little further from Delhi. It's a Jewar Jewar. It's in Uttar Pradesh. So if you look at the state, it's Uttar Pradesh. So it's a, a Delhi airport already has three terminals. There's Terminal One, Terminal Two, and Terminal Three. So terminal One and Two mostly service um, domestic uh, traffic. And terminal three is for international traffic, which is the biggest. And right. then, of yeah. course, uh, you know, Bombay has, there's a new airport, uh, you know, um, terminal uh, has come up in Bangalore. So, yes, of course, besides the major hubs, but the more interesting, most interesting part is that there are these, you know, a total of 20, 11 such greenfield airports are operational so far. So these are the airports that are connecting the small small regions like you know Sikkim, which did not have an airport, which never had an airport, is now connected to you know Delhi and Calcutta and other bigger cities through that greenfield airport. Yeah, interesting. So there you can see how the the government is kind of using aviation as an economic development tool for some places that are you know maybe perhaps yes, more rural. Yes, and these are these are these are these are, these are uh, you know these are mostly domestic um, you know tourism markets. They have good 
tourism products there. But of course, uh, the lack of access makes it accessible only to a certain percentage of the population. So now, yeah. with uh, you know, if you connect it to a major city like Delhi or Calcutta, then you will see that more people will be coming in. And this is mm-hmm. most. This would be uh, you know uh, foreign as well as domestic. Right. You can, and I know the, some of the airlines have, have responded by ordering smaller planes to serve some of these smaller markets. Uh, you know, even Indigo has uh, yes, ATRs now and the SpiceJet Q400. So so exactly. Yeah, that's a well, Pete, and this has been uh, been great, great discussion. Uh, I guess I'll close by asking you uh, whether or not um, you are optimistic or pessimistic about what Saudi Arabia is doing with their. I, you know, um, I am. I'm gonna. I I'm gonna. As soon as you answer that, I'm gonna ask the same question about India and whether you're, you know, what your your attitude is on, or your, uh, your whether you're optimistic or pessimistic about India. Yes, um, I am optimistic about both the markets. I, I am optimistic about, uh, but I am I'm really impressed to see how uh, you know Saudi Arabia is putting, uh, you know, making sure that uh, whatever it's been promising to deliver. They are indeed putting it into action, and uh, of course, you know they they've managed to get the Etihad. They've managed to poach the Etihad CEO to Riyadh Air, which says a lot about the fact that how seriously they take, uh, you know, this uh, new airline. And about India, yes, uh, India has great plans, uh, and I am I'm very happy to hear. The last two days, I've heard a lot from the Indian Civil Aviation Minister. And he's talked a lot about how he plans to develop. And most importantly, both these countries also realize that, you know, uh, pilot shortage and pilot requirement is an important issue. So they are trying to put uh, pilot training organizations in place and uh, trying to upskill, you know, these uh, people as well. So which is, you know, the labor shortage is something that's very important. that uh, is very important to consider whenever we are talking about aviation market. So I'm, I'm definitely optimistic and hopeful about both these markets. And I hope that there'll be some really good things that we can report on, for, uh, at least for this year. Let's hope so, Pete. And thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.